and welcome everyone to the MPI Potomac podcast. This is where you get to hear the voices of the Potomac chapter as well as industry experts speaking on all things related to meetings and events. Our podcasts are released on the first and third Wednesday of each month, so set those reminders and be in the know. On today's podcast, we're speaking with Mike Matthews, CMP, on producing live events. Mike Matthews is a producer, technical director, and president of Event Allies, a strategic event consulting firm helping organizations and meeting planners maximize their events. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Troy. Great to be here. So looking at your event, uh, your uh, LinkedIn profile, I see that you've done, you know, world summits around the globe, including India, Africa. I know just last month you were in Palau, uh, and as well as across the U.S. and Canada and several here in Washington, D.C., including some recent inaugurations. So let's start big. What is it like to produce an event where your keynote speaker just happens to be the president of the United States or, or another world leader? Um, it's actually a lot of fun. Those events are high profile, obviously, and there's a lot of stakeholders. I think the most challenging thing is working with the schedules of the high profile people because they are their, their schedules are, are always changing and trying to work with them on you know, um, sweeps and all the different things that are involved with that type of high profile person. And it's just great to, um, to work with them and uh, have a successful event with such high profile people. So, yeah, I know, you know, we've worked a few times together where we've had, you know, we recently had um, a vice president with us on a show and just the, the amount of, of pre-pro time that it takes to set up and have um, Secret Service come through and, and do that, you know, the, the beforehand and even then on, on show site. What would you recommend, what could you recommend or, or suggest? So if we have a, a listener that maybe is for the first time working with a, a high profile, doesn't have to be a, a world leader, but maybe there's some CEOs out there that travel with a pretty high level of security. How do you work with that? And how do you plan for that? Um, you got to be flexible, have all your ducks in a row, be very organized. So organize all the information, share as much information as you can um, so that there's no surprises for them or their handlers or their security. Um, and just be very forthcoming with everything. Let them know your needs. Don't necessarily give in to every single request because they can be flexible too. Um, but just tell them what you need and what's important to you and why it's important. And they will nine times out of 10 work with you uh, to make sure that it goes smoothly for you as well as uh, for them and what their needs are. It's just a matter of working together to come up with a plan that works for everyone to achieve the common goals, which is a successful event. Yeah, that's, that's perfectly said. That actually reminds me of a few times that we've done some things where we've brought an entertainer. So it's not always just the keynote speaker or the main stage, but maybe yeah. you've got some big name entertainment and that negotiation, you know, you'll get that rider, right? What was, what was the famous Van Halen, oh, yeah. no green M&Ms? Yeah. Um, just to make sure that people are paying attention to the rider. Speak a little bit about that. Like what, what, how you work with an entertainment or, or a rider, even for a keynote yeah. speaker, even, and how you can negotiate. And, you know, that's true that a lot of planners are afraid of seeing that, um, what looks like a contract, but really is a, a first step in the negotiation process. Yeah, for sure. There's um, like, I'm doing an event next week with a kind of A-list entertainer and, his rider requirements don't work in the space that we're in or for the event that we're doing. So had a conversation with him. Um, his rider said he needed a 60 foot wide by 40 foot deep stage. Well, in fact, our stage can only be 28 feet wide by 16 foot deep. So 
he's working with us. We're adjusting lighting, we're adjusting audio, we're doing all the things to fit that space um, and make him comfortable as well with it. Um, you'd never want to tell him, oh yeah, we, yeah, we'll take care of it and then have him show up and find something different because that's when the problems occur. But if you communicate um, clearly, regularly, um, and provide as much detail, answer questions. Um, I do find phone calls work so much better than email in a lot of these situations. Oh, good call. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, there's lots of things that you can communicate through email, but just setting up a quick call to discuss things and really have that personal connection um, with the, the individual that you're working with just goes a long way. Uh, it's very easy to say no to an email. Um, yeah. As opposed to a conversation. Yeah, that's that's a great tip. Yeah, you get some of these um, artists that send you the rider for an arena, but hey, you guys are doing a fundraiser. Maybe it's a top dollar fundraiser at somebody's house, right? Out in the right. Potomac yeah. Estates or something. It's like, yeah, it's not going to be the same. Then the next level, you know, working with that that high level speaker or that entertainment group, and then you really kind of communicate. And this is how you and I started working together. Is you really work with the event planner to manage the AV team and sort of the production team. So share a little bit about how that works and some best practices for if I was an event planner with an association or, or an organization that, that is hiring you because I need someone to run that event team or that, that production team and, and, the, and the help that you bring for that. Yeah, well, my, um, I guess what makes me a little bit unique in this industry is I started out as a meeting planner. I was a meeting planner for uh, 12 years, uh, was director of meetings, managed a group of planners. So I really understand the pain points uh, from the planner's point of view. Um, and then I uh, moved on and got into the more technical side and became a technical producer and TD and producer, regular producer and all of those things. So my goal when I'm working with, uh, with clients is to understand their event, um, understand what they want the event to look like, feel like, and then I kind of translate it um, to the technical team and say, okay, this is what they want. And in working with the technical team, they'll say, well, it's easier if we do it this way, or this is more efficient or whatever. Um, I can work with them to come up with a solution that still meets the client's needs and what the client's uh, hopes and, and dreams are for their event and still makes it technically possible without uh, going over budget. I mean, sometimes the, the, the planner will say, I want some certain thing. And if you just hand that to a technical person, they'll come up with the, a, a way to do it that might not be the cheapest way to do it. So for example, you might say that you want um, multiple points of view or multiple camera angles for your event. I might, I would talk to you and say, okay, what are you looking for in that? And it could be that we can just put a, uh, a static camera somewhere to get a different view, as opposed to adding camera operators and, and other things that are gonna add a lot of cost. Um, there's different ways to achieve that goal. Um, whereas if you just go to your technical team and, and say the same thing, you might end up with six cameras and six camera operators and, and all that sort of stuff. When instead we might be able to do some robotic cameras where we can get that down to one operator or, or just different ways to achieve the goals and the different possibilities because of the technical experience I have and the experience as a planner. Got it. So you're really taking the soft idea, which is a, a planner or a group that's like saying, you know what, we've seen these big widescreen blends, this projection mapping. That's what we want to do. 
and you take that soft idea and turn it into a hard idea, which is talking about resolution and, but then also being conscious about the budget. And I love that idea, that example of, you know, to have a three camera shoot, which nowadays looking at virtual events and, and broadcast is pretty standard in that world. But that means three broadcast cameras, three operators, whereas you are, have just given an example of one camera, but then two RoboCams. So that's two operators, right. three camera setup still. So that's yeah. really, that's a, that's a yep. great example. Great example. And with that, that widescreen that you're talking about, like there's many ways to do that. You can get that, that widescreen look without a lot of the costs, depending on the complexity of your content. So if it's just still images, you might be able to just create something using a, a PowerPoint or keynote template that just puts an image up uh, on a widescreen as opposed to full watchout servers or, or, or much more expensive, complicated pieces of equipment, depending on exactly uh, what your goals are with it. That's perfect. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, as we've kind of coming out of the, of the pandemic, but we're still doing a lot of hybrid events. We're still streaming. We're still doing a few virtual events. How do you bring value to that side, that that world of it? You know, not the not the in the ballroom, or maybe it's a blend. Maybe you're in the ballroom as well, but then also being able to help the the planner go. You know, it's one thing to walk into a room and have have rolling slides, but what does the virtual audience see, or you know that that sort of thing? What is what is the value that you bring for that? Virtual events are kind of like watching TV to the audience, so it's a different experience, uh, and it's got to be thought about. Um, you can't just drop a camera in the room. I mean, you can, if that's what your, your goal is, you're just uh, trying to serve an audience without um, really uh, catering to them. Um, but it's a different audience and it's a different experience. Um, we've worked together uh, on some events where we've set up like a second stage where there's a host to the uh, virtual audience. Um, so they get a different experience. They get um, the shorter attention span uh, that you get from being live so we can break it up with, with different things, um, have someone answering their questions or bringing their questions to the main stage. So there's, there's many different ways to do it. But even if you're doing just a straight, like I'm doing a live event and I'm streaming it, there's ways to make that streamed version a little bit more, more engaging to the home audience. Oh, that's a great, that's a great example. And I love that, you know, those, those couple of events that we've done together where, yeah, we're on the main stage, and then when people break and go into the lobby for the for a coffee break, what's the virtual audience supposed to do, right? The, yeah. the, the, the audience at home for half an hour and then doing that separate side stage that still just keeps going almost like a newscast um, yep. has been a, a great uh, introduction to a lot of clients that we've worked together on. Let me let me give you one that, another one that I was just thinking about that we worked on together a couple of years ago. What do you do when your keynote speaker, <clears throat> I may be speaking about Magic Johnson, walks out into the middle of the audience and decides to give his entire talk from the middle of the room. Oh yeah, well, you turn up the house lights um, because <laughs> cameras don't pick up very well if it's not uh, if it's not in the um, if they're not well lit. Um, and you kind of just do the best you can. You know, speakers. Um, it's always kind of a pet peeve of mine when when speakers go in the audience. Sure, I yeah. feel like they are they're going out there to make themselves feel more comfortable than they are interacting with the audience. Cause the, sure they're in the audience and they're standing right next to three people. And those three people are getting a great experience. They're standing right next to Magic Johnson. Yeah, but experience of a lifetime the back, right there. Yeah. Yeah. The guy in the back of the room on the other side is like, where is he? What's he saying? I can't see him. So yeah. I try and have that conversation uh, with uh, speakers when I'm like, you know, prepping with them, rehearsing with them and try and get them to stay on the stage. We all know that just doesn't always happen, 
so there's there's a lot of you know that show i think we had um a cut camera as well so the cut camera allowed us to get some better shots um, if you know that's going to happen uh, maybe turn one of your cameras into a handheld um, so that you can follow them around a little bit better uh, again it comes back to communication and asking the right questions up front so if you know someone's going to do it you can prepare for it better there's lots of tricks to try and work with it um, but it's never really ideal mm -hmm. yeah i can think of uh an event that we just did together in um nashville where we know that that client always has a portion of the program where the entire room needs to be lit up and we're in a massive massive expo space there's no way to control the house lights so we have to design the lighting to to light the whole room yeah. so in that that situation we're covered um yeah. that does make me think a little bit more about the pre-pro and that the prep side of it uh one of the things i love that you're just so good at is is getting everybody on the same page when it comes to like file name structure and um getting oh, yeah. information to you whether you're using dropbox or or what share some of your secret tips of of how you can, you know, even if somebody's not working with you, but just how a planner can work with their AV team, maybe it's in-house or something, a, a smaller event where they can really get that communication, make sure everybody's on the same page right off the top. Yes, so a couple of things. Uh, the biggest thing is never, ever, ever name a file final <laughs> because that just means it's not final. And then yeah. you're gonna end with final, final, version two, final, really final. Um, yeah. And it's just confusing. So by the time it gets to your operator, they have the final that says file, the file that says final, and they think it's done. When in fact, there's three others that came through. File so version I, three, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so I always do versions. So when I get a file from a, a client, I will keep their file name in it, and I will uh, make it version one. And if I get another one, it's version two, three, four, five, version sixty, um, which happens sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but it's all version numbers, and you know that the highest number is the correct file. The other thing I do when I'm passing off the content to the AV team is if I know videos are playing in an order, I will put a one at the front of the file name. So one dash, whatever. Um, and so all the videos, when they get them, when they open it up in the file structure and you sort by file name, they're in order of how they play. Yeah, I've heard a few times where I've been on comm um, working with you or with another um, stage manager that might be saying, okay, we're about to go live. Um, let's make sure we have version number in the gate or video version, you know, just being able to say that, not not do you have the final version, which is just a such more ambiguous question to ask. No, that's perfect. Yeah. So why should the, let's, let's wrap this up with, um, uh, I guess, mitigation. So a lot of what you do and what you're really good at is being ready for when, you know, uh, you give examples of, Mariah Carey, uh, I think her microphone failed on a New Year's Eve um, night in New York, right in Times Square, or where the power went out at the Super Bowl. I think that's happened more than once now. So thinking about what you do, what what can our planners, uh, planner partners out there think about and be ready for? What do you bring to the table to help with that? Okay, what happens if, what do you, how do you, how do you prep for that? Um, I think the prep is organization. So having everything lined up in a way that you know where everything is, like for my run of show, I have everything in there. It's very clearly organized and I use um, Excel or some other version of Excel, whether it's Google Docs or, or um, Showflow or what have you. 
where you can just take the whole line that has everything in it. So what the audio cue is, what the video cue is, what the graphics cue, lighting cue, that's all in the line. And you can move it to where you need to be. Uh, a few years ago, I did an event with um, a prominent Congresswoman um, and the show started at say eight o'clock and she was up at 8.15. So I talked to the client and said, okay, we're, every, everybody's here, we're ready to go. She said, yep, let's get started. So started, the color guard came out and I swear 30 seconds later, she said, I just got a call from the Congresswoman. She said she was here, but actually she's not. She got called into a meeting. She's gonna be 15 minutes late. So in a convention center with, I think it was about 6,000 people, while we're kind of doing the show, we're reorganizing it based on um, where, you know, who was backstage, when she was going to be there. We moved some videos around. We did, did some things uh, to make it work so that when she got there, uh, we'd be ready and the audience never knew the difference. So um, just being flexible, calm under the pressure is a big thing. There's always a solution. Don't freak out. Like, we'll come up with something. Yeah. You know, worst case scenario, you make a, a live uh, voiceover announcement or... Um, you know, you send your MC out on stage, but come up with a plan um, and don't panic. As soon as you panic, there's there's no there's no solution to that. Yeah, and don't and I often recommend or or say like don't bury your head in the sand. Like have the uncomfortable conversation before you get yeah. to show site or before you do a virtual event. What happens if the internet fails for your speaker who's presenting from Colorado in your events in DC or something like that? Have those conversations because it, yeah. it's going to happen at some point that that's, that microphone's gonna fail or whatever it is. Yeah, and unfortunately equipment fails. It, it just does. You can have every, every backup plan in the world and sometimes through every rehearsal, every practice, every everything, everything will work. And then you get in the show and all of a sudden, sudden something will just fail on you. So um, always being ready for that, even with the most you know, reliable equipment, it happens. I love it. Thank you so much. So you're based in DC. What, uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can they reach out if, if we've got a planner that wants to talk to you, have a conversation about maybe bringing you on board or, or finding more information about what you do or. Um, yeah. Uh, the best way is probably email. Um, and my email is Mike at eventallies.com. But there's one little catch to that. Uh, we work with events from A to Z. So allies is spelled with a Z at the end. So uh, uh, event a l l i e z uh, dot com, uh, and again, my name is Mike at the front of that. Um, that's the best way. Or if anyone knows Troy, Troy and I are working together all the time, so you can always reach out to Troy and he can put us in touch. Yeah, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on our podcast and and share some of your skills and your knowledge uh, with with our listeners. Very much appreciated, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I love what I do and. Um, Live events are fun and I've got a passion for it. I'm just happy to uh, be successful in this industry. Fantastic. Well, thanks everybody again for listening to the MPI Potomac podcast. This is where you get to hear the voices of the Potomac chapter as well as industry experts like Mike speaking on all things related to meetings and events. Our podcasts are released on the first and third Wednesday of each month. So set those reminders and be in the know. Thanks everybody. Mm -hmm.